Well, welcome back. It is uh, Adrian and I. Hello. We're a day late, but it's all good. Man, it's been a week. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to just sitting down and just chatting. I think that about sums it up. It's been a week. It's been a week. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, you stepping in anytime soon? Man. Hmm. And there's been a lot going on, even like just in, in culture, in the world this week, even. Yeah, it's. You got what happened in Nashville, Trump being indicted. There's all kinds of crap. Um, a friend of mine, something I know, posted, they posted something on Instagram and I thought it was so interesting, just this dialogue that happened. And what they posted was like concentric circles, like these little rings. And it was talking about the importance of prayer and love. And throughout, you know, in this little diagram, it was just, you know, together was, was written on these, across these concentric circles at the top, at the bottom, left and right. And, you know, it, there were the words in the circles like love, unity, and I think together or something like that. And somebody commented on his post. It was just an image. And they commented and they said something like, that's kind of tone deaf right now. And I'm wow. like, and, and his response was, well, what do you mean? And I realized what was happening when he looked at it. It was, it was a black background with white concentric circles. So I was reading the words and I hadn't seen it this way. But when you kind of step back and look at it, it kind of looks like, uh, like a target, like a, a shooting target. So what the person was referring to is like, okay, we just, we've had... A lot of shootings often, and in fact, we just had this this thing happen in Nashville, and he was kind of, this person was kind of commenting that it's tone deaf of you to use this image right now when this shooting just happened, this image that could look like a, a shooting target. Well, the person that posted it didn't intend, right. they weren't thinking a shooting target, they were just talking about, you know, concentric circles and how these things, these ideas and thoughts are interconnected. So I reached out to him and, and I said, you know... I think this is what that person is seeing, but I know this is not what you intended. And I said, it's so sad that our world right now, um, we're looking through broken eyes. We're looking through broken lenses. Yeah. So even something that we don't intend yeah. to be tone deaf or insensitive, yeah. like we, did, we didn't even see that when we posted the thing. You know, we may put something up and we're not seeing that thing. We're not, our intent isn't to... to um, to be insensitive or to be dismissive of something that's happened or something that's, that's um, hurtful to someone, you post something innocently and actually with a good motive trying to share good ideas. But because we're looking through broken lenses, somebody looked at it and said, that's, that's tone deaf, that's insensitive. And it just got me to thinking... You know, right now, how often are we seeing not just an Instagram post, but how often are we interpreting words that others are saying, posts that others are posting, um, others' actions? And how often are we misinterpreting those because of our brokenness? Yeah. Remember, I, I love that John Prine song. where it, I think it's called Souvenirs, and there's that line that... Man, from the first time I heard it, I loved it. He said, uh, broken hearts and dirty windows make it difficult to see. Mm, that's a great one. That's good. I love that. And I thought, that's where we are. And he yeah. wrote that like a long time ago. And I thought, yeah, man, we've got a lot of broken hearts. And there's a lot of broken lenses and broken windows. Yeah. And it's making it hard for us to see each other. Tim Ross posted something yesterday or today about... Um, how seeing through a fence is what will cause somebody to think that the other person's a problem. And he alluded to, well, if you're offended or your expectations were for somebody to do something, the problem isn't them. The problem is with you. Actually, what it was is he was talking about like um, trust. He was like, if you can't trust somebody, if you feel like in a relationship, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you feel like you can't trust that person because of something they said or something they did, <clears throat> the problem isn't the other person. The problem That's is- That's a crack in your lens because yes. now if, 
if I don't have that fundamental trust, if I don't trust you, yeah, then that is going to color or taint or affect everything I hear from you. Yeah. If I trust and know you and believe that you care about me and that, that, that you want the best for me, that's going to affect everything. That's going to affect how I perceive everything you say to me. It's true. <laughs> Funny, my brain. When you said, when we look through a fence... A I fence. literally thought you were talking. About, <laughs> you were ta- so I'm picturing, I'm like, where's Alex going with this? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're looking through? You see the wires or what, what are you talking about? Popping over. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> so you don't got any pants on. You may want to put some pants on. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing looking through that fence? Yeah. <laughs> you pervert, get out yeah, of here. I know, right? You know, I had a, I, yesterday I met up with my mentee mm-hmm. and it was my first time hanging out with him by like ourselves. And I had to pick him up from the, you know, the county jail, et cetera. And we were talking about um, a lot of my conversation with him was, where do you see yourself going in the next like five years? And he's 17 years old. Uh, he should be out of jail in the next like couple of months. He turns 18 in August. And so, you know, what I was trying to, to really encourage him in is now that you're stepping out, you have a, a clear and clean opportunity to change the trajectory of your life moving forward. And so that requires you to be very thoughtful in who you have in your life, the relationships that you have. Um, and then we, you know, as we, we talk through things, there, there's a lot of growth that needs to happen in his life, you know, just on those few topics that we talked about. But I asked him like, hey, now that you've, he, he became a Christian, he's given his life over to Christ. I asked him, what do you think has changed for you? now that you've become a believer compared to when you walked in the doors of this juvenile center to where you're at now a year and you know, a couple of months later. And, uh, and he was like, well, you know, um, I, you know, I read the Bible and, and, uh, and he just really started to kind of break down that he's committing time to prayer. Right. And so I was like, well, how does that affect your life moving forward? Like, how do you see people? How do you see your past? How, you see, how do you see, um, you know, moving on from this current stage of life? And his response was uh, very much like a 17-year-old, right? Which was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and, you know, I'm still going to kick you with the homies and the homies that got me in trouble, but I'm not going to do anything. And I'm going to, you know, and... Uh, and, you know, I'm going to protect them. And, and he started repeating some of the same behaviors that got him into trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, well, hold up. I think there's a lot here that we can talk about because there's, there's a direction that you feel like you want to go, which is part of your past, which is looking through the lens of offense. Mm-hmm. You know, he was talking about how, okay, if he goes back in one group, there's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be some type of like, a group of people that want in, in the way that we talked about it was like, you know, the gangster term of like, they want to bang on them. And, uh, and so before we, we ended our our time together, I had gone through closing out Micah and, uh, in Micah six, eight, I just said, Hey, I want you to read this. I didn't tell, I didn't read it to him, but I said, I want you to go back to your, your room today I want you to read it. And I said, next week, let's talk about this. Cause I think this is going to change the way that you look at the way you look at life moving forward, which is, uh, Micah six, eight human. I love this. It's in the ERV version human. The Lord has told you what goodness is. This is what he wants from you. Be fair to other people, love kindness and loyalty and humbly obey your God. And so I left it at that. I was like, just go read that and let's talk about it next week. But as I, as I think about offense, as I think about what Tim Ross said, what you just talked about, I think so many people are so, they cling on so heavy to the things of the past and, and, um, hurt and pain that they can't live out a life that is free from those things. And I love that you said the dirty windows, like that is, it's clogging up their vision, right? And and this, I think this scripture kind of paints that picture of what, you know, freedom looks like and what stepping out of that 
looks like because it do, what this does is it requires you to give up that offense and to love people well. Those habits, I don't remember if we talked about this last time. I've talked about this a couple of times over the last week, but I don't know if we touched on it. Did we talk about the pants, putting on their pants? No. Okay. So I thought about this, you know, how sometimes that, that lens that we're looking through is the only lens we know. You know, we look at, I think we, we look at life through the lens of our experience. Mm-hmm. What we've experienced is, is what, what's kind of conditioned us to, to know how to look at things. And, and sometimes that experience is broken. So sometimes you see things and you're seeing a threat or you're seeing rejection or you're seeing, you know, um, negative things when they're not there. Because somewhere in your past, you experienced negative things. Um, what happens, though, is even, even when you, you have a redemptive experience, like you're talking about, he had this, this lifestyle before that was very unhealthy, that was just, that got him to where he is in, in jail now. So he finds, he finds Jesus, he comes to know a savior. And we've said this before, it's like, well, Jesus is in your heart, but your, your grandpa's in your bones. Like, we're still, yeah. we've still got the flesh. So the thing that I was thinking about is a lot of times it's those old habits. It's, it's the old, we're so used to behaving a certain way and thinking a certain way and seeing the world a certain way that even when Jesus shows us a different way, that other stuff is so in our bones. It's so in our behavioral patterns. We're so accustomed to it. It feels so familiar that when we try to do something different, it feels strange. And the example that I thought of is, okay, like when you put your pants on this morning, which leg do you put in first? Just when you, okay. I never had to think about this. My, my right. You're right. So tomorrow, I want you to put the left in first. I can, right now, I can really feel the tension <laughs> thinking about that. Or, or a more, more obvious example. Which hand do you use to brush your teeth? On my right. So tomorrow morning when you get up, use your left hand. Okay. You can still brush your teeth. Right. How's that going to feel? I'm going to have toothpaste all over my face. It, <laughs> it's true. I, I understand where you're it, going. It just feels weird. It yeah. feels uncomfortable. It feels awkward. And I think that's how these life changes are sometimes. Mm. Like Jesus has shown us a better way, but it feels so unfamiliar. Yeah. And this other way is not better but it's like, no, but I always use my right hand to, like, this just feels natural. Right. This is a part of who I, this is the way I do things. I put my right, my right leg in first. I put my right shoe on first. And if I do something different, there's like this tension somewhere in us that, that is almost saying something's wrong. Something feels off. Yeah. Go back to do it the other way. So in his situation, maybe he, you know, he comes out and he's trying to live his life different. And he's trying to make different choices and he's trying to have different friends and he's trying to, to look at the world differently and live his life in a completely different way. Yeah. There's going to be this, every step, it's, this, this feels different. Yeah. This feels weird. And that can feel like friction sometimes. So it takes more work to create those new patterns. And the whole time, some part of us, I think, I know for me anyway, some part of me is saying, it'd be so much easier if I just went back and did it that way. Cause I know, I know how that feels and I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like. That just feels so that that's me. That's, I know that. Yeah. So I think a lot of times that's what prevents us from changing is we, we forego the good and instead choose the familiar. Yeah. I had literally that thought yesterday as I was driving home from, the baseball game with the kids, I was thinking it is so much easier to not change. Like why does not change, better, not better, but why, why is change so freaking hard? Well, it's that it's the behaviors. It's changing your perspective, the lens that you're looking through your behaviors. And it's uncomfortable because you're, you've done things differently for so long that there's tension when you want to, I, I think of Jonah, mm-hmm. 
Like he got so pissed off that God wanted to love people. And I, and I resonate with them. Like, why are you going to let these people like, you know, get they off free? They don't deserve your redemption. Yeah. They don't deserve your mercy. They don't deserve to, to be blessed by you. Yeah. I'm like, bless me. I've been the one, you know, and I thought about this even yesterday too. You know, I, I had a moment with God and I was complaining and I was being a brat, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and I thought that and I'm like, man, I've, you know, I've, I've done so many things I've, you know, I've served, I've, you know, gone out of my way to do things for people and intentionally done it, not for like reward, right? Put a pin in that. There's something I want, serving, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but, um, but I keep coming back to the idea that God doesn't want us to stay in the same place that we're in because with, if, if we're in the same place that we're in, we're, we're not growing, we're not learning, we're not developing we're not becoming an image of him. And so, uh, so yeah, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's very true. There's a lot of tension in change. What were you going to say? Well, that tension, it feels like there's friction. Yeah. There's friction, like, um, there's friction that we're uncomfortable with. And until you create those new patterns, it's almost like sometimes when you're driving down an old dirt road and there's a rut in the road, you know, and the tires just kind of fall in. Yeah. And when you try to drive sideways, like, you know, out of the, the groove, yeah. you drive there, but like the tires just want to fall back in that groove. They're, yeah. you're, this is bumpy. The road's bumpy over here, the dirt. There's still bumps. It hasn't been worn in. Yeah. So it's bumpy. It's more uncomfortable. It's more, you know, unstable. But that groove, that groove where those tracks, those tracks where they were, you know, driven on, for a long time, mm. oh, that's smooth. That's smooth sailing. Yeah. Not better, but smooth. Yeah. So it's like this friction. No, what I was, what I wanted to put a pin in or what I was commenting on, it was, you said, like, like I've served and serving. And I was just, I was having this discussion with Darren this week and I couldn't remember the quote. And it had to do with serving and recognition. And, uh, it was a quote. It's a book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And I read this years and years and years ago, and it was so convicting to me. And he's talking about following the practice of Jesus in how we serve. And he's, he's, he's actually quoting Richard Foster, who is a member of this organization called Renovare, which has to do with the spirit of the disciplines and really, really good, really powerful, deep stuff. And he's, he's, quoting Foster, and he says, more than any other single way the grace of humility has worked into our lives is through the discipline of service. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. When we're doing something, when we're serving in obscurity, when nobody notices, there's a part of our flesh that's like, hey, look what I'm doing. Nobody's recognizing. I'm doing all this stuff and nobody's noticing. Nobody's praising me. Nobody's telling me how good I am for the stuff I'm doing. Nobody's giving me credit you know, for, for everything I've done. And already I love that, that there's those two distinctions. Like sometimes serving, we have these thoughts of, why am I even doing this? Like, you know, and that's when people notice when you serve in a way that nobody notices. (laughs) These internal dialogues are like, if they only knew, if everybody knew everything I do all the time and I do this and this and this, it's like, that's, that's not why we serve. It's <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I remember, recognition. I remember reading it then and being so convicted. Mm. And um, one of the people that told me about that book was we we ran sound before I ever did anything in worship or served in ministry. One of the one of the first ways that I served in ministry was in the sound booth, running sound at the back of the church where well, you know, I mean yeah. it's one of the, the most uh, unseen places, unseen, challenging places yeah. that only gets noticed when things go wrong. Yeah. And we got to serve with a couple with Rodney and Carol Dixon and they were amazing because Rodney was all about serving in obscurity 
In fact, he recommended a book to me called Serving in Obscurity. And uh, never looked for the limelight, never wanted credit, never. He just wanted to serve. Yeah. And didn't want to get noticed or recognized for it. Rodney, I remember, man, God used them to show us so much stuff. Like, they modeled um, serving for us. But I'll remember uh, they were trying to pay him for serving. Mm. They're like, hey, you know, you're, you're doing this. You're the first one here. You're the last one to leave. You're always setting things up. You're doing things for events. So we want to give you a stipend. We want to pay you. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. No, 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 we, we, we insist. So they insisted on paying him, at which point he just used that money to buy gear for the church. Smart. He's like, to go, well, dude. you can give me. You can give me what you want. Love that. It's just going to come back. And yeah. he didn't tell anybody that. I would watch it happen. And I thought, man, I want to be like that when I grow up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, as you're talking about that, I thought about David Cherry. Like, he, is, he has been that for me. Like, uh, he never was in the limelight. Um, he had such a heart, like a heart to serve people, servant's heart. And he intentionally cared for his team. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it week in and week out, he was always there um, and always working hard to make sure that there was excellence in, in the tech team and the audio team. And I loved it. Like, he was so willing to make the time to coach and mentor people um, to now where he's leading a church. And it's, it's incredible. And they like seeing them, I haven't been to his church yet and I want to, but like seeing him do that just aligns fully with where his heart was at that whole entire time to now be on a, on a pedestal mm-hmm. of some or like the stage to have a platform, a platform. Right? Yeah. Um, and to not change. Like I, I haven't seen a difference in him and I, and I love that. It keeps me accountable and it gets me excited for the potential that, that we can have individually by watching people like that. He, he was inspiring to me too. Cause when I first started running sound, I didn't, I didn't know anything. Yeah. And I remember Rodney and me somehow found out about these free classes that the David was Hosting yeah. out at Shoreline. He saw a need. He saw like, okay, you have a lot of volunteer people volunteering to run sound at churches. And David, out of the goodness of his heart and with a compassion for those that would be listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to spare everybody that's going to be in these churches. Let, let me help these folks. Yeah. You have a group of people that want to serve in that ministry, but that are unequipped. And he put the call out and he, he let people know, hey, we're doing this. Every so often, just just come and we'll show you how to do it. And I I'll never forget, I think when we went, one of the times we went, they were doing it in, a, I think there was like a youth facility. And he had like three or four tables set up. And each table had the, the first table had like the simplest possible sound system you could ever have. It's like maybe like one mic and two speakers and not even a mixer. And the next one was like, okay, now you have a mic and a, a yeah. mixer and speak. And each table got increasingly more complex. Yeah. And him just taking the time to walk all of us. And he put the call out like anybody who wants to come, yeah. we'll show you. And I remember thinking, here you're the, I don't know, what was he the, um, what was his title over there? He was like director of tech or something like that. Yeah, he's got this title... And he's doing this at a, at a really big church with a really complex system. But he's willing to take the time. And I remember asking questions. And he took the time to answer simple, dumb questions. Yeah. And again, he embodied, you know, the thing we always talk about is making people feel safe, seen, and loved. He did. He did that. He embo- I still remember how it felt to be in that room, yeah. to not know anything, to feel like a complete noob. Mm. And he's like, here, let me show you. Yeah, no, no, here's what this does. And yeah. explaining it. Such I think I was there. Were you? Yeah. 
It was in the, it was in the small chapel. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was there. Yeah. I, th- I mean, that's why I dropped out of college was because I was learning more from him than I was in school, <laughs> which is wild. I remember just sitting there and I'm like, and, and the school that I went to had an amazing, like had the SSL board, mm-hmm. top notch. So cool. But everything that I know about audio is from him. It's wild. His willingness to share. Yeah. Like even in that, like above and beyond, way beyond any of the knowledge and the technology. I think the thing that impacted me the most is him modeling serving. Yeah. Yes. Seeing that. Yeah. Like, and that affects you, that that changes you yeah. when you're when you're around someone who's modeling those things you you learn it not because you've you've uh, been told or because you've read it mm-hmm. but you learn it like it what is that saying it's a it's caught not taught mm. you, you learn it from being around it and seeing it yeah i love that man that brings back so many memories of being at shoreline mm. that was fun yeah, now now I want to go visit David. I haven't I haven't gone to his church. I've watched some of his stuff on on Facebook when they do their when he posts stuff. Well, years later, after that was like man, almost twenty years ago when I first went to that thing. Years later, I'd already been serving at church. I'd gone on, and it was years and years later. I remember for some reason, I was thinking about him, and I just reached out and said, "Hey, David, would you like to go to lunch?" He's like, yeah, sure. Even years later, I give him a call, and at a moment's notice, he made the time. And we just sat and talked over lunch. And I remember we went to, uh, what is it, a Roaring Fork over on Stone Lake. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that place. And we just sat there, and we just talked. And that, to me, was so impactful and important to me mm. that I just reached out. He's like, yeah, sure. And he was busy at the time. I mean, he's always been busy. He's always had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But he took the time. He made the time. Said, I'm going to go sit. And there was no, there was nothing for him to get out of it other than spending time with somebody. No. I need to call him. I need to reach out to him. That'd be cool to have him on here. Because I love his testimony. And I think it'd be super impactful. Because I think, you know sidebar conversation but like I look at yours and Paula's marriage and I and I see I see a lot of strength and uh, and I don't I know it didn't come with a lot of easy moments and with David's story too um, with him and Lynn there's been a lot of conflict and there's been things that they've gone through and, and have gotten past and there's just a lot of beauty in that restoration I'd love to have those stories be told on here if we can. Paula, I don't know where she heard this, but she's she's been saying this more frequently lately that our greatest pain is often the source of our greatest ministry. Not to let that settle for just a second. Our greatest pain is often the greatest source of our ministry. It is our greatest pain is often the source of our greatest ministry. It's what enables it's that that most difficult thing that we went through that becomes the very thing that God uses us to minister to. I have to sit on that one. That's good. Well, I'm reflecting on my past and I'm like, but I know there's, 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 there's something there. Yeah. That's impactful. That was so much wisdom. Yeah. One of the things we've talked about this before, um, we're drawn to people now like we never have been in our lives. Mm-hmm. We are, both of us, we've always been pretty shy and introverted and closed off. That That's, I mean, we've been married almost 24 years now, but for the majority of that time, not very social, not very outgoing. Um, in the last several years, like we're drawn to people. And I think what's happened is it's kind of that that greatest pain thing. I think for a long time there were incident in instances 
where one or both of us felt, well, I'll speak for me. I won't speak for Paula. Felt overlooked or dismissed or felt like we were on the outside. And what that fed was, one, it drew me to a point where I had to work on my relationship with God because that's, that's the most important thing. Right. If I'm okay with him, then everything else is, is fine. Yeah. That'll, that'll put everything else in the appropriate, the appropriate perspective. At the same time, when we were running sound, when I'm sitting in the back of a church for three years, you observe things. Mm-hmm. You observe some human dynamics, some social dynamics. Yes. And it's tough, but you notice things. You go into a church, you notice who gets noticed. Oh, yeah. You notice who gets embraced. You notice um, the, the people that don't get embraced. You notice the people that, that get the, get the uh, soft rejection, hard rejections. Um, you notice those that come in and it's very easy for them. They walk in and there's something about their appearance, their station in life, their charisma, their personality, their something. Mm-hmm. They walk in and it's like, man, people just flocked them. They're like, and sitting in the back, you see these dynamics. And then you see the quiet, shy people, or you see the people that are, that are not as um, socially comfortable. Yeah. And I think while we were watching that, we came to, to, to see like, some folks, man, I think we just need to do better as a society and I'll say as a church. We just see through some folks. There's some folks that walk into our churches that they may as well be invisible. And that's, that's a hard statement, but it's true. Right. Um, God help you if you walk into a vibrant, growing church and you're over 60. You're not part of that target growth demographic. And here's the thing that, I guess one of the things that God's put on our heart, and it's not just age. Sometimes it'll be culture. Sometimes it'll be station of life. Sometimes it'll be affluency. Or sometimes it'll be, oh, this is a really charismatic, outgoing, extroverted person. It'll be different things, but... People get over, we overlook others for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And uh, I've been on that end of it. So from the time that, that we came here and were a part of this launch, one of the things that, that God impressed on my heart and Paula's heart, we don't want a single person that comes into our church to feel unseen. Not a single person. 100%. That is happening. Because I'll, I'll go back to Lexi coming in for the first time. Oh, and man. her first response was, I have never been hugged and loved on by so many people. <laughs> and I think she looked to me to like, to say, or to like, for me to be like, oh yeah, you know, that's just, you know, it's an act. But my automatic response was like, well, that's intentional. That is like, they actually are excited to see you. And it's not because of you're a newcomer. They genuinely care. And it's being seen in the everyday interaction. If she comes in six months from now. Mm -hmm. She'll get the same thing. And I think one of the things that that sometimes we do as churches is somebody new comes in. Mm -hmm. I've experienced this. Yeah. It's like, oh man, you get all that attention, you get all that love when you're new because, hey, we're growing our numbers. Mm-hmm. Let's hey, plug into this group, go to this group, go to this group. Yeah. Six months from now or a year from now when you haven't been coming for three, four weeks or a year, mm-hmm. you hear a conversation like, hey, whatever happened to that person? Yep. And that's, that's kind of a hard thing that we don't talk about much, but it is something... May, Make no doubt. I mean, make, make no mistake. It's a, it's a dynamic that's there. Now, the challenge is uh, one individual can't do all that. 
And you never want to fall into that. Oh, it's the savior complex of, I need to go do that. No, no. What the thing is, how do you establish a culture where everyone is trying to see everyone else? And I truly feel that if, if we're all listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit and we're all sensitive to his leading, everyone will get seen. It's true. Because I'll tell you, when, when she came, I saw her when she walked in, I went and gave her a hug and welcomed her. And because she came in early. Mm-hmm. But the thing that made an impression to me that I loved, I'm up there leading worship and I look over to the left and there was a moment where we were praying where Darren asked us to, to break into small groups and pray for oh, yeah. each other and with each other. And there's these little circles of three, four, five people. And I look over to the left and I see Terry and I see Micah and I see Lexi. And I see Briley. Mm-hmm. What's Briley? Seven? Mm-hmm. Eight? Wait, she turned eight, right? On Monday. On Monday. And I see them huddled with their arms around each other, yeah. praying for each other. And that to me was, you know, Darren quotes Pastor Bill Hart often. He says, love. He said, Pastor Bill Hart would say, love looks like something. That's what love looks like. Yeah. That looks like love to me. Yeah. To see them embracing. So in my journey, having been from a position of feeling overlooked or always on the outside or the outskirts, that was a source of great pain for me. Sure. But it shaped me or, or shaped my character in such a way that I never want anyone to feel that. And that's absolutely affected how I see others. Sure. And um there was a friend that I served with at Lake Travis, Fred Thomas. I remember we were sitting over there and we were talking one time and we were talking about this, this stuff, you know, when people come in. And I truly believe that it, when, a, when a person comes into a church, regardless of their temperament and how they look, some part of them is looking for community or connection. Yeah. I think here's, here's the, 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 where it gets a little more nuanced and it's not always simple is Sometimes we walk into a church and we got baggage and we got attitude and we're sizing it up and how good's the music and how good's the lighting and how friendly are the people and who, you know, who, who came and said hi to me, who didn't say hi to me, how, like we're, we come in with a chip on our shoulder. We come in with baggage. Yeah. But if we came in, some part of me wants community. And I used to love the way that Fred Thomas put it. He said, uh, he said he thought churches can be like a burn unit in the hospital. People come in wounded and we have to be careful because sometimes our first inclination is to hug and embrace that person that's coming in. What does an embrace feel like if, if you've got burn wounds? Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. How does it's not it, welcomed. It's painful. Mm-hmm. So like on our end, yeah, I think, I think we should be aware of everyone that's coming in, but Jesus is never invasive. Mm. The Holy Spirit's not going to be invasive. Yeah. Um, we need to be sensitive and listen and be wise about how we love people. And sometimes that means just saying hi to someone and just like doing a soft touch, like, hey, how's it going this morning? And kind of gauging, you know, are they, okay, am I, do, do they look a little uncomfortable? And then it's like, okay, but I saw them. Yeah. I affirmed them. I was present with them. Um, Earl McLennan, are you familiar with him? Mm-mm. So he was the he was a youth pastor for Shoreline for years, and um, I was the I was doing audio. I was like the main audio engineer for the youth or not youth the young adults group service on Sunday nights, uh, and every Sunday night after service, we would go as a church to a restaurant and Earl would always come with his wife and sit with everybody and just love on people. And what I loved about that was it wasn't an act of like, let's go so that we can get more people to come. It was an intentional opportunity for him and, um, and his wife to build community with these young people that were not just going to the service, but that were looking to, to build community, you know, in this, in this church. And I really loved the way that they always showed up and it was never like a, 
Um, I don't know. It just didn't feel like an act. It felt intentional. Um, and, and if there was ever a moment where someone was like kind of one foot in, one foot out, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't try to push it. They just loved on them. And, uh, and that was an active way of them trying to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, looking back at that, I don't, I, I, I don't see any, any, I never heard anything negative coming from, from those moments, but I love the way that they would intentionally do that. And it doesn't need to look like the way we're talking about where someone comes in and you're automatically trying to include them and embrace them. It can be in many different forms and fashion of building community with these people, whether they're new or old. Yeah. It's not, it's not a formula. No. And I think often, you know, we're looking for formulas. It's like, Oh, I did this and that worked. All right, let's write that down and share it with everybody else so they can do it too. Yeah. Now, I think, I think it is important and it is empowering to share things that work well. Yeah. But I think it's, it's more important to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit because then there's not going to be a shortage of ideas of how do we love people. Yeah. And, and again, I've said it before, but if you want to know how to love people, read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 pretty plain yeah i mean it lays it out loving people um it looks different sometimes it depends on the people depends on the situation what does it look like sometimes it's it's a hug sometimes it's high sometimes it's a text sometimes it's sitting and listening over coffee or a lunch or something um yeah it can be so many different things and i think people respond being loved on and I think I think they absolutely respond when we're loving them because we're feeling the Holy Spirit leading us to do that mm-hmm. we went to uh, I thought this was interesting this this is so it's so fun to do we just feel led to do it so we try to make it a point to know the names of anybody serving us mm-hmm. anytime we go into any restaurant well, I mean you know every yeah. time we go to so this morning, me and Paula went, and I'm like sharing, like, this is, this is her name, this is his name, this is his name. This morning, I went to PB, and, and I'm walking in, and, and Matthew, the manager, he walks up to me. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? He oh, starts telling cool. me. It's like, oh, yeah, we lost our power yesterday. We just started having this conversation. And that's because at some point, I asked him his name, and we yeah. talked. Um, but earlier this week, we went to dinner with, with a friend. And uh, we're at dinner and we go to this, this nice Italian place. And um, I don't know, may, maybe it's me. But sometimes when we go into nicer places, sometimes the wait staff can look a little snooty. Sure. Every now and then. Yeah. Not always, but every now and then they're kind of... And we went in and, you know, I see our, our waitress and she looked a little bit snooty and I didn't know. I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm all right. So we sit down. And as soon as we sit down, I'm like... Hey, how's your day going? And her countenance, like, first it was like a question mark. Like, mm-hmm. like, why would you care? And then my next question was, well, what's your name? She goes, my name's Devin. I've never known anyone named Devin. I've heard the name, never known, never met anyone named Devin. So my response immediately was like, well, that's interesting. You're the first Devin I've ever met. Her countenance immediately changed. Yeah. And it's like, it softened and she was smiling like the rest of the time she'd come and, and wait on our table. Yeah. And like, I didn't go in there with a game plan. I didn't have like right. this, Oh, here's a deck and do this, do this. No, I mean, we just walked in and I'm like, I was just curious. Yeah. And you just, it's amazing when you just see people like you, you genuinely just see them. It's amazing what happens. I don't know where I heard this this week. Someone had told me this or I saw it somewhere, but the best way around a fence is to stay curious. Mm. Again, you realize I'm, I'm just hearing a fence. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> is it my accent the way I'm saying <laughs> uh, A fence. No, you're saying it right. Okay. I'm just I, being, I'm being dumb. Uh, it's to stay curious, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about we've talked about this so much. There's been moments where like I'm reading scripture and I have a revelation and I'm like, Oh, I have to go tell so-and-so. And you are like, hold up. I remember. 
That's a word for you. It's not a word for anybody else. Um, yeah, that just made me think about that. I shared that again with Darren this week. Oh, did you? We were talking. We were having a conversation. And um, we were talking about... I was sharing something about how um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I stopped asking God to speak. Mm-hmm. I remember praying, God, speak, God, speak. And my prayer became, God, help me to hear. Because... <laughs> Because I think you're speaking all the time. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think the problem's on your end. Yep. Help me to hear. So now my prayer is, Lord, help me to hear. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to know your heart. Help me to recognize when you're moving, when you're doing things. And what I found since I started praying that is, I just have these realizations all the time. Whether I'm reading a book, whether I'm watching a movie, whether I'm reading the Bible, whether I'm in prayer, whether I'm singing a worship song, whether I'm talking with you or a friend, these things just jump out. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend last year, and he was going through a struggle. He was in a relationship, and it was this really difficult relationship that they were they were going through, and, uh, and I remember both of them were were really struggling and he said something and even in that moment in that broken situation in that broken relationship I felt like God was allowing me to take note I think God wanted me to notice something and what the guy said what my friend said was he said you know we're just two broken people trying to love each other the best way we can Mm. there's a lot of power in that and in that moment, as, as gut-wrenching as it was to hear, it felt like God saying, I want you to, to remember this and make note of this. That often, you know, you and my children are just broken people trying to love each other the best you can. And when you do it without me, you make a mess. Gosh. That's why you need me. Yes. And... And that was like, I felt like that was God speaking through someone's broken situation. Yeah. But then back to the thing you were mentioning. So like you start hearing and seeing these things and noticing. And um, I don't know, anytime I learn something, I immediately want to share it with somebody else. I get excited. Me too. So you start sharing. It's like, go tell somebody. It's like, oh man, this is so exciting. It's like, yes. Did you know this? Did you realize this? You read something in the word and you go and you tell people. Well, one... And I get this, and I'm working on it. That could be annoying as hell. When somebody's always like, oh, I just noticed this, I know. When you're always like, like you overwhelm people with stuff. Yeah. Two, the thing that we talked about, a lot of those things, God's like, hold on. That was just for you. Yeah. I didn't give you that to go, I didn't give you that to go to go preach a sermon or share it or go go show other people. No. I, I want you to sit with this. Yeah. I wanted to share this with you. This is like mm. a private conversation that I wanted to have with you. I wanted to share a part of my heart with you to help you grow. This yeah. is a personal thing. I think about there's a, there was a moment probably about last year. The, the, I had the kids with me by myself and I was driving to go take them somewhere. I don't know. We were going somewhere. And there was a homeless person on the side and I happened to have cash in that moment. And so, um, you know, I rolled the window down and, you know, I gave the cash and told the person some things and then that was it. As we're leaving, the kids were like, whoa, you had cash. Like, that's amazing. And, and when we, when we got to our destination, we were meeting up with, I don't know, maybe friends or family. And automatically Bradley was like, daddy gave money to a homeless person and, and, uh, and I was like, Briley, you don't need to, you don't need to tell everybody. And she was like, why, why don't you do that? You just did something really nice for somebody. And, um, I came back to, and I don't, I don't know where it's at in scripture, but, uh, doing it 
without show. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'd, I'll have to go look at it. And When you're recognized, you get that praise, you've gotten your reward here. It's like... Yeah, yeah. And uh, and this is kind of like the little moment that you're, that you're talking about in terms of like wanting to tell people. Like I can see the excitement in her because she's like, oh, this is a cool thing. But it doesn't need... It was a moment for her and the kids to see... Mm-hmm. Um, on what it looks like to serve people, and not try to get any recognition, and and uh, and at that in that moment, I wasn't even really thinking about that specifically. But then when she started talking about it, then I'm like that popped in my head, and I'm like, okay, here's a moment for teaching. But as I reflect on that, that's very much what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's an opportunity for them that God was showing them. They're just a simple thing. I just happen to have, and I never carry cash. Like it's a rare occasion when I have cash on me, like very, very rare. And for them to have that moment was pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And to see it. Yeah. Um, and it's not meant to go yelling at the top of a mountain. I gave money to a homeless person. You know? Yeah. I, this conversation is kind of nostalgic to me for some reason, like talking about hmm. like audio and David and some of the conversations we've had. Speaking of David and the nostalgic part, I wonder if if any of the folks listening actually went and reached out to people. Oh, Remember that, yeah. that first the call to action, the call to action thing. Yeah, it's like hey, reach out to somebody that that wouldn't expect you. Yeah, and I think we talked about that before too. Like yeah. um, making a list of the people that God has used mm-hmm. in your life that have been instrumental. Yeah, and I bring that up because David has been that for you. Yeah. He's been that for me too. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I find really beautiful is I don't even think he knows the impact he had on me by doing that. Yeah. Maybe not even me either. Because it's been years since I've like sat down and talked to him. That makes me want to reach out to my friend Rodney and his wife, Carol. They, they moved to Michigan now. Um, but they were the ones that we served with when we first started serving in sound. Yeah. I was, he was running sound and his wife was running Carol. She was running lyrics. So that's when Paul and I got to, we started serving together. I started serving on sound. She started serving on lyrics that's and we cool. got to watch and shadow them. But just the way that they did things had such an impact. They didn't say, they didn't tell us do this. They showed us like yeah. they actually did it. Um, and I don't think I've ever like reached out to Rodney and said that. I I wonder how that conversation, I would love to hear it. He'll try to shut me up real quick. (laughs) He'll be like, no, because yeah, he's uncomfortable with recognition. Is, all right, I'm just going to say as extroverted as I am. And can sometimes be sometimes be narcissistic in my behavior, and and I'm and I'm not mean like I'm not a narcissist, but the, we have a flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like being recognized. Weirdly, I may want it, but when it happens, it makes me so freaking uncomfortable. I don't know why. Uh. Because it's it's an opposition of what I want, weirdly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it does happen, it's like, ugh. like the hair. I don't have hair on my back, but what's there? The peach fuzz just rises. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, let me take that back. If it's in a public setting, if it's one on one, different. Yeah. Then I take it with like appreciation. Um. But if it's like publicly, someone announcing something, it just. I want to run. I don't know what that is. I've started, I've started to just redirect. Because Paula, we don't, we don't know how we, yeah. What do I do with my hands? We, yeah, we, <laughs> we start glitching. It's like our brain starts glitching and yeah, we, we don't. Um, Ricky Bobby moment. Yeah, it feels so weird. Just like you hear the record scratch and the gears grinding in our head. Just, this is so awkward. Um so I've seen Paula and me. We'll, we'll try to redirect the conversation yeah. in a different way. But then also you, you never want to um, 
disrespect or dishonor. Yeah. You know, them trying to uh, be supportive or encouraging. And I've made that mistake before. It's like someone really, they have something really heartfelt and they want to say, you've done this or thank you for this. And you're dismissive of it. And in their heart, like their heart was full and they wanted to share that with you. And when you dismiss it, it's like, it kind of deflates. So it's, it's interesting to find this, this place of, well, thank you. You know, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> you made it look so you, have you had that barbecue from... <laughs> I know, right? Barbecue? You got to find something else yeah. really quick. <laughs> Thanks. But guess what? Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I've never done that. I don't think I've ever, like, tried to sway the conversation in my discomfort. That's a good thing. I might start doing that. I'm, and, and I say that like if I get praised every day. I don't, but. I mean, it's it's kind of the equivalent of you're in a conversation, somebody brings up a topic that you don't want to deal with, and it's the equivalent of going, look, it's Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of. <laughs> Where did Adrian go? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> he was just here. He just steered away. <laughs> but I've noticed, yeah, like people that I love and respect, that's kind of kind of what they do. There's some people that just, they accept compliments very, very gracefully. They see you, they accept it, and then they find a way, you know, they become skilled in navigating the conversation, you know, a different way. I think my ploy is uh, take it with Thanksgiving and then do an Irish goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Ready, go. I saw a puff of smoke and he was gone. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I feel like this conversation, I feel like God is always just, just answers in this way every single time. Like me being a brat yesterday and, and going through my moment with him, questioning, asking why this and that. Um, and then having this conversation and hear him play out his response. Mm. Um, and I love that he does that because like I was expecting of it. I think a lot of times we like, what I'm trying to get at is it will be in moments where we're going through struggle. Like right now, I don't love my season, but it is what it is. And, um, and I've, I've been playing in my head just trying to serve people, you know, um, cause that's what we've been preaching this whole entire time, right. For the past few weeks. And, uh, but in that weakness of like wanting things to change overnight and wanting him to respond right there and then, um, we always want it in a certain way. We always want him to do it in the way that we want him to do it. And he doesn't. And when he does respond, it's always much deeper than we anticipate. And he did that today through this conversation. Like it's pretty spot on with my argument with him yesterday. And I'm thankful for that. Well, you know that song we were listening to earlier. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. Exactly. Um, by the late Roby Duke. He's right on time. I mean, not come when we want but he's right on time. Yeah. That was, every time I listen to it, it's like, oh man, he's on time. It's our schedule that's jacked up, not his. Yeah, it's our expectations, our, our desires. Even though they could be good, they, could, they can align very well with him in his heart. But that doesn't mean that it means yes now. Because one of the things that I've been hearing play out in my mind is I keep feeling and hearing no right now. And I'm like, well, if you just give me this and, get, you know, you know this will make life so much easier. And if you just do this and do that. No. Did you hear that, that Tim Ross clip about he, he was interviewing another pastor? I think it was also a gateway 
or a former, I think he was a former pastor. Um, they were talking about how in their youth, there were moments where they felt like, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach that sermon. I'm ready to do that thing. I'm ready, ready to lead that ministry. I'm ready to start that church. I'm ready. I put, God put me in. I'm ready to do this. And they're like, we were so stupid. We weren't ready. He goes, we, we felt ready. He goes, you know when we were ready? When we felt like we weren't. <laughs> when, when God was calling us to do something, it's like, God, I can't, I can't. I don't know how to do that. I'm not ready to do that, Lord. He goes, that's when you were ready. I haven't seen that one yet. I oh. need to go watch that. Ooh, that sounds good. Because it was a humility about it. They were feeling called to do something that God was calling them to do. And what they're touching on is like those moments where you feel, I'm not equipped to do that thing. And what's that saying? Um, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Yeah. Being in that moment and how sometimes in our, in our immaturity, because it's not always youth, it's immaturity. Yeah. I mean, we can be young and dumb and we can be old and dumb. I mean... It's a mature, spiritual maturity issue. <laughs> there's no, there's no monopoly on, yes. on, you know, immaturity. There's these moments where it's like, man, I, I could do this. Yeah. I could preach a sermon better than him. Yeah. I could lead a ministry better than him. Mm. And in those moments, mm. I can imagine God's just like, shut up. Boy, you, don't, you don't even, just like <sighs> chuckle. Like, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're saying. Yeah, I saw, I saw a post today, some random guy talking about knowledge, and he was like, wisdom is not, wisdom is not knowing. And how, I mean, that resonates. I mean, we all feel like that, right? We're like, oh, we got all this information. We got this revelation. We've got whatever. Mm-hmm. Now it's time. No. Have you applied it to your life? Because that's what, <laughs> that's what he's trying to tell you is, I need you to act it out. That's wisdom. That's the stuff we were talking about earlier. Sometimes God reveals something to you, and we're so excited about what's been revealed, we want to go share it with others, and God's like, live it out first. Mm -hmm. Put it into practice first. And you know what? Yes, share what I've revealed to you with others without saying anything. Dude, yes. And that is the podcast for today. Bye. (laughs) God, yeah, yeah. Like... We need to stop. I think I said this last time. We need to stop. We need to stop, or I think we should stop spending so much time telling people who we are and spend more time showing people who we are. Because I think we're real good at, at telling people who we are and what we stand for. Um, but I think often the challenge is showing them and that goes back to, you know, Rodney and Carol and David. Like, yeah, those are folks that, that did it. I was, uh, I was on LinkedIn a couple of days ago and someone had posted, like, they had this, like, secret sauce for HR. They're like, oh, if you, you know, take my class or if you, you schedule a meeting with me, I'll give you all the insight, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. And I'm thinking about all the programs and, and processes that I put in, in startups in the past, or even with big companies too. And, uh, and I was thinking about, okay, there were really great, really strategic, really thoughtful ideas and process. And then give it a day. And there's always more than one person that comes back and will be like, I feel, I feel fully disconnected from what you just put into place. Why did you put this into place? And, uh, and then the, the battle starts on, oh, shoot, what did I do? Like, okay, now I have to figure out how to connect these two things, and, you know. And you can be super thoughtful. You can put a, you know, from the business world, put a bunch of process in place and, and, and make yourself feel real good because you came up with all these cool ideas and very, you know you're maneuvering in such a way that like, you know, executive teams are like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. But give it a month or so. And you let that process play out. People are going to complain. There's going to be disconnect. And, uh, and, and I, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, man, we, we, as a human, as humans, 
we think we have it all together. Boy, do we not have anything together. If anything, we're always faking the funk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's why the, <laughs> even the computer agrees that that's AI right there. That's a chat GBT responding. Oh yep. God. He's listening. It, it feels like we go from extreme to extreme. We go from, I've got it all figured out to, oh crap, what do I do? And it seems like we go from one extreme to another yeah. very quickly. Very. Like in an instant. I got an action item then for people today. Shut up. Go. <laughs> Shut up and do. That's, I mean, it's hardcore. Yeah. Please don't be offended. I'll put it nicely. Stop talking and start living it out. And I'm speaking to myself. That applies. It applies to all of us. And we've said that even about, even about the podcast, sharing with people. Mm-hmm. Like we can, we can talk about all these things, but if we're not, if we don't have friends and a community, we're not part of a community that's, then it holds us accountable. Yeah. Then we're just talking. Yep. And we're always talking. <laughs> Boom. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. I've actually really enjoyed this conversation today. Wasn't expecting it, so. It's good. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Till next time. Later. Later.